the station will conduct the test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. It's like outside of fake, it's just something, and this guy came and was, you know, aggressively panhandling. Apparently, I just vomited right on his shoes. And and it dawned on me, I was like, wait, why was I worried about coming up here? These are all guys like me. We're getting fucked up all freshman year. This is college. You can do whatever you want. I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are two sorry excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sam, man? Hey, man. Hey, what's going on? Happy Thursday. A happy Thursday to you, sir. Happy Two Sorry Excuses episode 20. Yeah, the big 2-0. Nice. One more and we're legal. Yeah, no kidding, man. We'll have to... Uh... You know, drink some uh, vodka grapefruits that night. Oh, wait, not tonight? No. Oh, no. no. All right. <laughs> that would be illegal, man. You're right. You're right. Damn it. Damn it. Um, <laughs> well, that would be a better 21st birthday than my actual 21st birthday. Which oh, yeah? was spent... Uh, my birthday's um, in November, so it's usually right around Thanksgiving. And, yes. um, you know, once or twice... It'll fall on the Thanksgiving break, but more times than not, it's it's you know it, it's during a regular day. Um, so I was the only one of the 1106 Madison crew whose birthday fell during the school year. Soap is uh, January sixth, but that's in the middle of winter break, so we were never around for that. And everybody else is either May or or later. So I was lucky enough to. That my birthday fell in the school year and everybody was, um, you know, up for celebrating it. But my 21st birthday was um, Ice Storm um, of 90, let's say 94. And it was that, it was that winter that they ended up canceling classes. It was just a really, really brutal winter. And this was the first um, kind of stretch of it. And my birthday was on Sunday, coming back from Thanksgiving break. And I usually drove up with uh, little Teresa and Tara Fox. Uh, by that point, Laughlin um, had gone his own way. We didn't we didn't have any sexy Sparta Thanksgivings after uh, my freshman or sophomore year. Um, by that point, I had a car. I pick up Tara and Teresa, and we would just you know head back up to school. But for some reason, we got delayed, 
and they were kind of slow to get moving for whatever reason. And we were probably like an hour or two behind where we should have been. And that was just enough time to get caught in a massive ice storm in like Scranton. And no lie, it took us 12 hours to make what is really a four and a half hour drive. Just white knuckling it the whole way. And Peter's reared in Laughlin. They'd all come back early. Um, we had planned on, you know, kind of meeting up and, and headed out, but the, this was before cell phones. So, yeah, of course. you know, they're calling my parents, my parents are calling them, they're calling Teresa. Nobody can find us. It took us forever to get back. And needless to say, but I don't have uh, CB radios like Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> Bino one. Yeah. Smokey, smokey. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Uh, so it took us forever to get back, and by that time, nobody was in any mood to... Well, those guys were wasted, and I was yeah. in no mood to to head out. So we had to delay the celebration for about a week or so, but um, that was my 21st birthday. Damn. I remember my 21st. I was actually in Syracuse, but it was the summer, because my birthday falls smack dab in the middle, July 17th. Okay. And... um. I was up there during the summer, you know, between uh, junior, senior year, or in the parlance of the super senior, third and fourth year. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's celebrating a birthday during the summer in Syracuse can be pretty lonely, you know, because there's like 20 people up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only benefit is like every bar's your own or whatever, the bars that are open. But, uh, but it is pretty sad. But uh, it was cool because uh, you know, I was living at that point. I think I was living by myself because uh, Steve-O and me stayed at 1106 Madison. We took classes the first summer session. But I think he had gone home at that point. Okay. So I was living like in the house all by myself. And then uh, BP and Shaggy drove up. You know, for to celebrate my twenty first birthday with me, and it was uh, it was a pretty uh, good night. Uh, I don't remember this, but apparently I vomited on a homeless guy's shoes. <laughs> uh, it was like outside of Fagan's or something, and this guy came and was, you know, aggressively panhandling. Apparently, I just vomited right on his shoes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really cool weekend. Because it wasn't anything I expected, because it was like one of those things I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be terrible. And then those guys decided to drive up, and it was, uh, I was in Fagan's, like, uh, you know, it was still light out. And I think I was sitting at the bar with, with Mark Klaus serving me, and those guys came walking up. And and I just remember the, uh, you know, I lit up. I had a big grin across my uh, my face, you know, ear to ear. And they came walking in, and uh, that was a pretty awesome weekend. You didn't know they were coming? They totally surprised you? I think I did know they were coming, but it was still, um, I mean, they. I think you might call me the day before. I'm okay. not totally sure, to be honest with you. You know, I think you might have, BP might have called and was like, oh, Shaggy and I are coming up. You know, because Shaggy lived on the Cape, too, so he picked up BP, and they drove up there, and we just got friggin'. Uh, we got pretty friggin' snockered all weekend. <laughs> what, um, you just stayed up between 
junior and senior year? Was that the only time you stayed up there? No, no. I did it between senior and uh, super senior year. What? Um, what? I worked for Bill Etson at both of those years. Were you take? Did you stay up specifically to catch up on classes or? Yeah, I mean to take a couple of classes and also because it was, you know, I mean it was nice having your own place to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, man. I never stayed up. I wish I stayed up. In retrospect, of course. You become but... friends with different people during the summer. There's like the 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 summer people, you know. The people who you hang out with during the summer and then school starts and everybody goes back to their regular people. Well, that's how we met the infamous Liz Stillman. Okay, she was a summer person? She was a summer person and uh, she befriended Cuddy somehow. And um, we kind of got intertwined with her um, senior year. Um, I don't know if she stayed up there all summer. I think she might have stayed up there all summer. Her parents... Um, I'm sorry. Finish your story about Liz Stillman, but I gotta tell you something. No, no, no that's okay. I was gonna say her parents. Her parents are transients. Like she grew up in in like upstate New York, but like halfway through college, they moved to Florida. So like it was one of those deals. What you know? What was she gonna do? Go <laughs> stay with her? It's like they're going through town, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> like working as carny folk or something. <laughs> Transients. <laughs> Her dad's a possible serial killer. <laughs> Her parents were drifters. <laughs> uh, they in flea bag motels all up and down the eastern seaboard. <laughs> uh, no, um, my original summer, and this is how I ended up getting involved getting drawn into the web of 1106 people. After freshman year, um, my grades were so horrible that technically Syracuse University was like, we're, we're, we're suspending you for a year. When was this? After sophomore? After freshman year. After freshman year, okay. You know, and they're like, um, they're like, y- you gotta sit out a year. You're, you <laughs> <laughs> I got this, I knew I was, fucking up in all my classes because I just quit going to them and stuff, you know? Let me carry. Back to the bench. Yeah. But I was like, but no big deal. I'll come back next fall, get the grades back in order, everything will be fine. You know, but uh, if your grade average fell under a certain level, they automatically suspended you for a year. Okay. Apparently, which I learned that summer. Um, Get a letter in the mail. I'm like, oh no, my mom's like, what the f? You know? <laughs> she was flipping out. I was like, "Oh well, screw it. I'll go somewhere else." And she's she gets on the phone and starts calling people. She's like, "LSU won't even take you. That's terrible." <laughs> uh, so she gets she calls, you know, goes through all these channels, calls circus, eventually gets in touch with somebody, tells her about this. Um, Thing was it called the Syracuse Academic Improvement Program, and apparently it was pretty new. Okay, and it was there to retain kids who kind of screwed off. Um, and she's like, "Oh, you're lucky. These people decide they're going to let you go in this program because apparently lots of people were trying to get in it." I imagine, but it didn't guarantee you admission back in the school. All right, but it guaranteed you a chance, you know. Um, 
So I'm like, oh, this sucks. I remember it was July 4th or whatever, and I had to fly back up there on July 4th. And um, I'm like, this is going to suck, having to be in the summer school stuff, you know? And they had us stay in the Marion dorm, which used to be the all-girls dorm, you know, which I think changed after maybe my sophomore year. You remember that dorm? Where's the Marion dorm? Is, was Waverly, it- it's like across, I think Watson might be on the other side. Hey, yeah, the toilet bowl one is Haven, right? Haven yeah, and Marion. Haven and Del Plain across from each other. Uh, Marion was right next to like where the Kimmel, where Kimmel was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I'm like, I'm like, this is gonna suck, and and I get up there, and then and then it dawned on me like after the first night, because I'm like, well, you know, what's gonna happen? You know, I'm like, it's gonna suck. I'm gonna have to hang out with terrible people, and then and then. Fredo was in that program, and Dan Orenstein, Orenstink, you remember that kid? Okay, now did you know them before? I knew, the reason I ended up with those guys, because a guy that lived next to me freshman year who I was good friends with was from the same town as Orenstink. Okay. So I'd known him before that, you know? And Brian, well I didn't even meet Brian yet, but Brian and I actually had a our first writing studio class together, and we remember each other, but... I actually got a good grade in that class, but I but I quit gone for a while. <laughs> I ended up with like a B plus in the class, I think. But I, at one point, I just like, I remember it was, you know, it was too hard to be in control of my own attendance at class at that age for me. Right. Who? I mean, what can you expect of an eighteen year old? You know, to get up, put on a coat, and walk to a class. Come on, yeah. this is unbelievable. And um, so I do remember him from a class because I remember he always used to sit there with his Fagan's baseball cap on, like his nice new white Fagan's baseball cap, which eventually by the end of our career was a ratty, tattered, uh, dirty white Fagan's baseball cap. Uh, but oh, anyway, yeah, so that Orin thing was Stink, disgusting. Yeah, so Orrin Stink was subletting from one of you guys at 1106 Madison. Yes. And if Mike Peters ever runs into Dan Ornstink on the street, there will be no more Dan Ornstink because 20 years later, Peters still holds a grudge. Yeah. And well, and a debtor's lien against him, for nice. what it's worth. Um, I mean, it's a three-year uh, prescription period in Louisiana, so I'm sure he's just as screwed in New York or Massachusetts or wherever else <laughs> he wants those laws to apply. Uh <laughs> So anyway, he, uh, Orrin Stink, uh, the first night they have something where we got to hang out and Orrin Stink and whomever, you know, all these guys are like, oh, oh, we're going, we're going to this house over there, you know, 1106 Madison. And we go over there and Fredo was in the program and it was all these other guys who we ended up being friends with in the end, you know, and, and it dawned on me. I was like, wait, why was I worried about coming up here? These are all guys like me. We're getting fucked up all freshman year. Right. You're <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of slackers. Yeah. <laughs> so we just freaking, you know, we partied the whole time. You know, every night we'd go over there, and that's when I met Cuddy. You know, it was funny. He'd be hanging out, and Cuddy would just show up, you know. And he, he you knew he didn't freaking care for us, really, but he was never a dick to us, you know. Right. And, um... I specifically remember sitting there one night, 
with just Orange Stink, uh, Cuddy, and me. You know, that's all it was. They're sitting there, and I remember, you know, we were pretty messed up probably. Uh, and I remember saying something to Orange Stink about how he looked like Don Rickles. And Orange <laughs> Stink had no clue who Don Rickles was. <laughs> and, but Cuddy knew who Don Rickles was. I remember he was just like, he's like, yeah, I can see the Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> it was Cuddy and Kelly the dog. Cuddy and Kelly the you dog, know? yeah. And that's yeah. how I got in with those guys. Because then when school year came back around, um, I was hanging out with Fredo. I'd hang out with him every now and then, you know. And then I met Goldberg because of hanging out with Fredo, and obviously I met BP from hanging out with Fredo and Shaggy, you know, and and. Um, eventually they were like, Hey man, you want, you want to move in with us? You know, I was like, yeah, all right. And that's when we got to the time. I think I've told the story about the first time hanging out at 1106 with those guys the night before spring break when all you guys were gone and, and, uh, Shaggy got up and smashed his face on the ground. I think I told that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it leads to one other great Shaggy story. Let me just interject real quick. This is the best Shaggy story I know. I haven't seen that guy. I haven't even talked to him in over 10 years. Um, I guess he might be out in, I assume he's still out in Colorado, you know. Yeah, he went out after graduation, right? That's where he ended up? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a good story about that, too. But this is the best Shaggy story as far as college goes. I think Floyd might have told me this. No, Fredo, I think, might have told me this story. You know, they lived on the Mount first year. Like in day, I guess they were in. Yes. And Fredo's walking by, walking down the hall, and Shaggy's sitting there with his door open, door wide open, kicked back in the chair, smoking a joint. And Fredo's like, uh, "Hey man, w- w- what are you doing? You can't, you can't do that." <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> Shaggy's response was like, "This is college. You can do whatever you want." <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best story I, I think I heard about college ever. Like the idea that he's just sitting back there openly smoking a joint because it's college. Whatever it is, man. Whatever it is. Yep. But the, let me just conclude with a good shaggy story about when he moved to Colorado. He'd moved there in 98. I went out there that summer because my brother lives out there. So I spent... Half the time hanging out with Shaggy, half the time hanging out with my brother, you know. Shaggy was living in Boulder, and my brother was living in a town called Lafayette, actually where he still lives. Um, So I was out there for like a week. It was pretty cool. Uh, Shaggy, um, like right before that, a couple weeks before that, right right after he moved out there, he moved out there with this guy named Marty. They were coming home one night uh, from the bars... And I think it was Marty was driving a car, and he crashed the car off, like, an embankment, you know? Mm-hmm. Off the highway out there. You know how everything's way open yeah, out yeah. there? You know, he's got embankments on the side uh, because he was drunk. Uh, so they went home. I guess they must have walked the rest of the way home, and Shaggy got in his car. And, uh, and they went back to go find the car. Well, while they're looking for the car, the cops showed up. And we're like, what are you guys doing, you know? And they got arrested for DWI. They and, were uh, home, safe. 
Yes. They got back in a car and uh, headed out. And while we were out there, Shaggy, I think his... I think I think that was when they started doing that. They would automatically suspend your license for like 180 days. So he was having those issues, but his story was this, and and I believe it do it did work because I think eventually the charges were dropped. The story was, yeah, we crashed the car and we were so depressed we went home and started drinking. Wait, okay, so. That was their story to the police. They didn't crash the car while drunk. Right. Okay. But that only gets one of them out. Yeah. Well, the cops were like, you know, they weren't. I think they might have been out of the car at that point, whatever the case is. You know, they weren't they weren't giving them hell about whatever they were doing in the car now. Only the, the crashed the cops car. Were concerned about. Oh, yeah. And well, they're that- like, we weren't drunk when the car was crashed. We were only drunk because we crashed the car. <laughs> that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was like, that's not going to fucking work. And I'm pretty sure they dropped those charges against them eventually. Because, you know, if you can come up with a bullshit story and stick to it. Yeah, I don't you know. know. What can I, they really do? There was no, there were, Nobody witnessed the wreck. You know, it was an hour or so after the wreck, you know? I don't know if if this is a real... If I heard somebody tell this story or if I saw it on on a show or something where a guy gets pulled over and um, he's drunk and as the cop is kind of running his license plate or whatever, um, he he calls his attorney and is like, hey... Listen, I just got pulled over. I'm so screwed. I'm drunk. Um, I got an open bottle of vodka in the car. You know. Yeah. You're going to have to come get me to jail. He's like, no, no, no. His lawyer's like, no, no, no. Listen, get out of the car. Make sure everybody can see you. Just start chugging the bottle of vodka. And when, you know, the cops, you know, tell you to stop, tell them that you're sorry. You're so nervous um, that... You just started drinking the vodka for no reason, and they'll throw out. They'll have to throw out your uh, your breathalyzer test because everybody saw you starting to drink on the yeah. side of the road. So, needless to say, everywhere I go, I go with a uh, a point seven five liter bottle of vodka in my glove yeah, compartment. As long as you don't open it, you're fine. That's right. Before they find you, you know, before they pull you over. <laughs> thing is, you know, I think stuff like that might have worked at one time, but it's like they're coming up with all these new uh, procedures to prevent it, you know? Yeah. And, like, and they're like starting to get like uh, where they'll go and get a warrant to get a blood test from you right away while you're waiting. And, and there's so crazy. there's so much medical evidence that can be uh, entered into um, into a case. Um, somebody we know got a DUI, and it was on St. Patrick's Day, and they pulled him over, and he blew, like, whatever, double the limit. And the cop was like, listen, it's actually a good thing you were driving now, because according to what you're telling me, and, you know, what you drank and the last time you drank, if you waited another half hour, that's in your 
bloodstream, you would have blown a point, you know, whatever, two and a half times over or, you know, three times over. And that's like automatic jail time or whatever it is. So like that's evidence that they can all introduce now. And, you know, there's no getting around it anymore. Yeah, you're done. I mean, what's what I think is kind of BS about all of it is, uh, is, you know, it's still like like, yeah, if you're that drunk, you shouldn't be on the road. But my problem's all with the sobriety checkpoints. Because the guys who are the real problems, like these multiple offenders that are out there, you know, you see these stories about these drunk guys. It's like he had six DWIs before plowing into this uh, bus full of school children. You know, those guys are not getting busted at sobriety checkpoints. Right. You know, I don't know what you're going to do about those guys other than just lock them up. Because you can put the breathalyzer in the car. You can take away the license. It's not going to stop him from getting a car without the breathalyzer thing. It's not going to stop him from from driving, not having a license. I mean, I was talking about that with my uh, with my buddy I work with the other day because uh, I had a new client come in. I asked him for his license, and he gives it to me and says, not a driver's license. And I'm like, you know how many guys I have come in here that I know have driven to this place? You <laughs> give me... When I ask for a license, they give me an identification that's not a license. Right. You know, it's like, and those are just like my clients, which is a very small percentage of the population, you know, uh, such a negligible percent that it can barely be measured. Imagine how many other guys are on the road driving illegally at any given time. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, And if somebody's willing to to drive drunk so many times that he's he's been able to get six DUIs or eight DUIs or something like that. That means he's probably driving drunk friggin' thousands of times. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, the odds of getting arrested for it are, are pretty damn low. It's always like, you know, it'll be like your poor bastard friend who... Who's so nervous? Who never drives drunk? Who gets the DWI the one time he drives drunk? But most people that get it isn't isn't that episode. Most people that get it, it's like driving drunk all the time, and they finally got busted. Right. You know, and then you see people that get pulled over, and you know they're stinking drunk, and they still don't get DWIs. I mean, I had a buddy like that um, who I went to law school with. Uh, this was after that. The night was it Pittsburgh played the Cardinals in that Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, Pittsburgh played the Cardinals. Yes, okay. It was 2009. Super Bowl 43. It must have been. Yep. Uh, yeah, because the next year is the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. He he left the party we were at with another guy, and he went to this bar. Uh, you know this little dive bar. He gets pulled over by the police. And he, he got pulled over twice by the police within probably six months, and neither time did he get DUI. And I know both times he was, like, probably, like, at least his his BAC had to be off the charts both times. Well, that bad, and they let him go? Yeah. He started, um, he started, started bullshitting with the cop, talking about, uh, like, I was, uh, I we were in this law class you had to take uh you don't have to take this law class but you need to get pro bono hours and we were in this one uh 
where you get your pro bono hours and you go teach the law like like in inner city schools and stuff and where we went and taught was in the juvenile detention center. Okay. You know, where you're dealing with like the roughest of the roughest teenage kids. Yeah. And uh he started BSing the cop about his work with children. <laughs> and the cop's like, Give me one reason why I shouldn't arrest you right now. And he goes, Decency, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> The cop yells at him. He's like, I'm not a judge, asshole. But he still didn't arrest him. He's like, get the fuck out of here. He let him go. And he let him drive? Yes. He let him drive off. <laughs> Amazing. That is crazy. Like, How the hell? Like, you know, you, you just got to have an angel on your shoulder. Because he, cause he, it was twice in six months where he was pulled over. Neither time he got busted. And that's a guy who was clearly like you know there had to be probable reasonable suspicion you know you roll down a window he probably smells like a distillery you know yeah right so whatever um i guess uh that's my little rant on the stupidity of the sobriety checkpoints <laughs> steve-o I've, I've told that story how he got pulled over the day after um the day he was gone home for Thanksgiving, it was like the night before where we all went nuts. Steve-O gets pulled over 12 hours later, still stinking, and the cop was like, you're still drunk. And he was just like, get out of here. Because he was just, the cop was just appalled by the fact that he was drunk from the night before still. <laughs> it was like a New York State police officer. And he let him go just because he was like, you know, he was disgusted by him. <laughs> That um that was Laughlin's uh, Laughlin's wedding. His bachelor party was the night before uh, his rehearsal dinner because everybody was coming in from different places, and his brother lived yeah. out in San Francisco. And it, he was the f- I think he was the first of us to get married. Um, and we just got absolutely wasted. Uh, everybody the, the the party was in New York City. Everybody slept at my uh, place in Weehawken, and um, the next morning we got up, and I think we were—we probably only got about two hours of sleep, which makes yeah, which which makes sense, um, because we were—we had to be drunk for the next twelve hours. <laughs> like it was me, Reardon, Peters, maybe Soap, and we had to drive from Weehawken to to my parents' house in Jackson, which is probably a good 45 minutes an hour away and we had to pull over i would say at least three or four times for somebody to either have to take a shit or puke on an hour-long drive so um i can sympathize i know that feeling but yeah i mean uh it's the worst feeling in the world when the next day you're out there that's what i remember about working for uh bill i remember one night uh, you know, getting so drunk, it might have been my birthday or whatever that weekend. I don't even know. No, it wasn't the birthday, but I remember the next day having to go to work, and I'm on one of those riding lawnmowers. We're at some big apartment complex, and I just pulled over the lawnmower and just started vomiting. Oh. <laughs> it was so miserable, being in the hot sun, still drunk. <laughs> oh, that's gross. You know, that should be like one of the Jeff Foxworthy, you know, you're a redneck if, you know, have you ever been uh, too drunk to mow the lawn? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Good times, man. Good times. Yeah, good times. Uh, what else is going on? Um, well, today I was um, I did a little work for a buddy of mine who owns a, a marketing company, and uh, one of his big clients is uh, Lou Gehrig's uh, ALS, the ALS right. Association, and they do a bunch of these walks, and um, he does um, the marketing for it. So we were doing. Um, you know, some street team marketing stuff. We were going out and, um, you know, putting up signs, asking people to hang posters, that kind of stuff. But we did it locally. There's one right around here, so it was great. Um, And I thought I was going to be on my own, just kind of making my way up and down, you know, the major roads, and I was going to stop for lunch. And, you know, I had my whole day planned, but it turned out uh, he sent a couple other guys who were also gung-ho, you know, team leader, you know, chefs in the kitchen kind of guys. So um, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to be, I'll be an Indian. Let me just, you know, kind of go yeah. back and you guys make the plan. And they stopped for lunch at this place um, called Nelly's, which makes fat sandwiches. Do you know what a, you, you ever heard of fat sandwiches? No, it's a fat it's sandwich. A, it's a Jersey thing. It started in Rutgers probably like, in the 80s or early 90s. This is this is the Jersey story. I'm sure there's somebody out there somewhere that's like, no, we invented fat sandwiches. But after uh, you hear about them... I you were saying this is the Jersey story. Like, the story of Jersey is a story of a fat sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty damn close because what a fat sandwich is, is every, um, every ingredient you could possibly want when you're drunk in one sandwich... So the, like the, you know, forget about Zigwitch where you would just go and you would get like whatever, a bacon, egg and cheese. Yeah. Um, you know, that's good enough. Not in Jersey. Uh, they have these things at Rutgers called grease trucks and they're essentially food trucks. I was going to say something about that. I think I saw on TV about the trucks that line up somewhere near Rutgers. Yes. They're, they're I think they were trying to shut them down or something or regulate them, huh? Yeah. They, they were. Not even that far. They were just trying to build a, an extension to the library or something, and they needed more parking. <laughs> so it wasn't even like they were cracking down on them. They're like, we're going to improve our academic institution. And people went hog wild because they were going to shut down these trucks. But uh, Is they that came... what it was about? Okay, because yeah. I heard they were shutting down the grease trucks. Yeah, yeah. it didn't even have anything to do with, like, listen, there's cockroaches in here or, you know, these are... a you know, a public nuisance or, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, they just, they're like, hey, listen, we want to make the library bigger and we need more parking. Can we move the trucks? And people are like, fuck no, keep the trucks. Screw the library. <laughs> but the um, the quintessential fat sandwich is, is the fat Daryl. It's, um, it's, it's chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, french fries, and marinara sauce on okay, a Okay, that's roll. the one. I have heard of that on one of those shows, you and, know. Okay. One of those Food Network or Travel Channel shows. Uh, Man vs. Food. Daryl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Now, that's not even that outrageous. I mean, that's like whatever, but you've got you've got your meat, which is your chicken finger. you got your cheese, which is your mozzarella stick. It's got marinara sauce, and the French fries is like the, ooh, crazy, crazy. We put French fries on it. But over the years, they've become, you know, really popular because what people would do is, okay, hey, listen, give me a, 
cheesesteak with uh, mozzarella sticks with a eggplant parmesan and, you know, cover it in cheese sauce. And they'd be like, okay, whatever, you know, and they'd kind of make it up. So yeah, they've just gotten all over and they're, they're crazy. So one of the, um, one of the stops on our little marketing tour today was Monmouth University. And there's a place called Nelly's. And it's it's the Jersey Shores version of the of the fat sandwich. Um, now let me interject real quick. Is that not Angie's alma mater? That is Angie's alma mater. Although she will not claim it as her alma mater, she claims Syracuse as her alma Smart mater. Woman. And I gave her a couple facts that you know keep her in any conversation when it comes to you know kind of laying the the uh, the groundwork for being an alum. But she started at uh, Ryder. Yeah, which is a um, private university in Jersey, small D one school. Yeah, they're and, in the Northeastern Conference. So is Monmouth, right? Aren't they uh, both in the same? Conference? They were both in the Northeastern Conference. Now they went to the um, the Double A Mac. Oh, all right, the Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, but similar kind of school, small private. Um, she was also put into the um, Matthew Livicari Memorial Scholarship Program her freshman year. <laughs> and, uh, but instead of uh, trying to gut it out, she decided that you know she didn't want to waste the money. She she spent like a year at like o- uh, community college, and then went to Monmouth. But she went to Monmouth because all of her high school friends, or well, I think one of the reasons was all of her high school friends essentially did the same thing. Went to Maryland. Went to you know, Penn State, wherever, and then all kind of congregated back here. They're all Jersey girls. I love the Jersey yeah. Shore. But all the people that go go away to college and blow it out the first year. And then come back and head to Monmouth. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, when I did that, there were a few kids that never made it back in, you know? It wasn't a guaranteed thing to get back into school. So those kids went to the program in the summer and then didn't get back? Well, like... Some kids still couldn't um, cut it, you know? But I went there and I, I repeat deleted two of the classes that I uh, that I flunked and I got A's in them. Oh, nice. And it, my GPA shot up like a full point, you know? And, uh, you know, I, re- I talked to my advisor because he was like, what are you doing here? Because he saw me in... in uh, and Eggers, you know, that the new addition to Maxwell Hall back then. Yep, yep. And uh, and I went in there and I told him, he's like, oh, he's like, who's in charge of that? Uh, and the, the guy in charge of it was Dean Barry Wells or whatever. I was like, he's in charge of deciding who gets back in, you know, for my school. He's like, all right. He's like, Barry, he's like, he's like, listen here, just make the grades and I'll talk to Barry and uh, make sure everything's all right. So I had to write, like, a letter of appeal to Dean Barry Wells and all this stuff. And, um, I mean, I think I was in pretty good footing anyway because I got good grades again. But it didn't help to have my advisor go in and say, hey, uh, you know, this guy's not can't cut it. Not that he can't cut it here. He just screwed off. And, look, obviously he can make the grades. You know, so... That was the that was the first and last time I had any flirtation with leaving uh, Syracuse University. Yeah, I mean, I I was lucky enough. I had a pretty good freshman year. Um, it got me off to a good start, and everything after that was just pretty much gravy. But um, Ange ended up at Monmouth, and and like 
you know, she had a pretty good time. They yeah. lived in a house together. And this Nellie's place was, you know, was the place that they went. Now, um, I'm sorry, interject. Give me a little uh, geography here. Where is Monmouth okay. in relation to where you are? All right. So I am right on the shore about 45 miles south of New York City. Okay. Okay. Monmouth is only five miles to the north on the water in a town called West Long Branch. Okay, so it's that close to you. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I never had a clue where it was. Okay. Yep, it's really close. Um, yeah. If we're going somewhere that we're going to take a back road instead of getting on like one of the major, um, you know, state highways, we'll we'll drive past it. Um, there's always something going on there. It's a beautiful campus, and that's the that's the allure is that it's right near the beach. It's like the Malibu of the East. <laughs> You know, it's right by the beach. Uh, right by the beach, it's got beautiful buildings. Um, part of the campus used to be um, Woodrow Wilson's like summer estate. Oh, it's got to be beautiful. Yeah, and every building looks like the Hall of Languages. It's that kind of oh. you know Gothic architecture. It's real. How many students was it? Like five thousand students or something like that. Um, yeah, probably between five and and seventy five hundred, something okay. like that. Um, you know, they have a graduate program, so, um, yeah, 6,500. All right. Um, so... I know I'm taking you a little far away from Nellie's right now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, but that was where, that was their place, you know? They loved to go there. Uh, at one of her, um, roommate's weddings, um, she trucked in Nellie's for the after party, for, like, all the guests and stuff. So, pretty good. And it's a little dive place on a corner with no parking, pizza joint kind of deal. And um, these guys go in. And now, of course, I'm on a diet. My sister gets married in a month, and I can't fit into my t- my um, my apparel. So, I got to, you know, I'm you really... Can't fit what? Your tux? Like, yeah, I can't fit into my tux. So, I'm cutting weight. Um, yeah. And... So I order a side salad, and one of the dudes is like, oh, yeah, I used to weigh 350 pounds, and, you know, I'm cutting back. I just ran a marathon. Maybe I'll order a salad, too. And I go to the bathroom, and I come out, and he's got a fat sandwich and a slice of pizza. And the other dude I'm with, younger guys are maybe in his early 20s. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I haven't been down here in a while. You know, I, I love to come down here. He ordered two fat sandwiches. Now, the mm-hmm. typical fat sandwich is, is a lot more now than the the original fat Daryl. Yeah. They get things like, um, let me see. Um, I happen to snap a picture here. So like the fat Chadwick is a cheeseburger, mozzarella sticks, bacon, curly fries, lettuce, tomato, ranch dressing. Um the fat dad is a cheesesteak, gyro meat, fries, hot sauce, white sauce, lettuce, tomato, onions. Like, what the hell's white sauce? Uh, like tzatziki sauce, you know, when you get like uh, a gyro. How much do they charge for one of these not, They're not bad. They're only like between six and eight bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's a it's probably an eight inch uh, hero roll. Do you roll. actually eat it as a sandwich or you have to deconstruct the thing? No, man. That's the great thing about it is what they must do is they must flatten the bread to be almost like a tortilla kind of deal because yeah. the bread is only 
like whatever paper it's thing. not like a press sandwich or anything like N- that no they no. roll it it comes like almost like a wrap oh okay but Damn. it's still bread it's still a you know i feel like i was i missed out on the jersey experience by not getting a fat sam- sandwich well, when i was up there i've never had one and i was thinking are my, you serious I, i'm dead serious and I was thinking Wait. to myself, while I'm sitting there eating my salad with no dressing, what would mine be if I could make anyone up? And I start thinking, um, I would do a cheesesteak, but I'd put pork roll on it, and I would do french fries nice. um, with American cheese, mayo, ketchup, and uh, maybe some onion rings on top. And... <laughs> Sure enough. I love that you've never had a fat sandwich, but you sit here like having sexual fantasies about your ultimate fat sandwich. Well, I look up at the um at the board and the closest one to that is a cheesesteak pork roll. Pretty good start. Yep. Uh egg, which I could do without. Cheese, fries, mayo, and ketchup. Otherwise known as the fat romano. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't send that to anybody because they'll think that I have anti uh, Stephen Joe Romano sentiments. Yes, I know. I remember uh, it was Mike Reardon that got offended by that years ago. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and let you badmouth Joe Romano. <laughs> Oh, so I was at it. the house in Winthrop. You just, for some reason, you were just going off on a tangent for about ten minutes talking about the shortcomings of Joe Romano. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Mike and stands up, and you know he he, he had enough. He wasn't going to let go on any longer. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, too funny, uh, man. Well, you might as well send it out because everybody already thinks that you have a an axe to grind with the guy. Uh, well, no kidding. He didn't give me a card at my wedding either, bastard. <laughs> I'm not even talking about money. That's okay. I understand. Times are tough. Yeah. Give me a card. Give me a card. Please. Um. Jeez. That's that's good stuff. So you still so a fat Romano with a couple of additions is. Is gonna be your your big sandwich the day you're the day after you don't have to wear the tux. I would probably I'll probably name it the Fat Stephen Joe because it's Romano with a few additions. <laughs> nice. And that is gonna be my first uh, the first thing after my tux. Nice. It's a good deal there. But in the meantime, I'm eating uh, cabbage soup and uh, and plenty Pepper of water. And soup. What's pepper soup and what else? Uh, cabbage soup and, and plenty of water. Uh, okay. So you're just constantly going to the bathroom then? It, it, one, It's in one, it's out one way or another. Yep. I have such a negative idea of cabbage soup just because I used to love, well, I still love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And you remember that's what the mother's making and I'm just like, oh, that sucks. That means life sucks if you're eating cabbage soup. Because, you know, Charlie Bucket was poor, and that's all they could afford to make was cabbage soup. Right, right, right. I mean, hell, it was a big deal they brought home a loaf of bread. Oh, we're going to have a feast tonight. (laughs) I was like, oh, if a loaf of bread's a big deal, 
The fact that they're making cabbage soup means they're really in hard times. I don't want to eat that crap. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's never been appealing to me just based off of that movie. Nah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, but I remember Fagans used to sell it as fat burning soup. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they would they would call it fat burning cabbage soup, you know. <laughs> I guess that's the way you sell it to the uh the friggin' snobby broads up on the hill. <laughs> hey, did you know today is National Sibling Day? Uh, I learned it when I got on Facebook and saw <laughs> a spiffy picture of you and your siblings dressed up in some sweet blue suits. And uh, oh, who was the one in the um in the little white suit with the bonnet? Uh, my brother Jeremy. Uh, okay. So this these are our Easter. Uh, this is our Easter attire. And I like that your Easter attire is basically a pimp outfit. Well, that's we would get decked. And for a while there was a um there was a there was an outfit that we would each wear. It was like a hand me down outfit. Yeah. So when we were one, that was kinda like whatever, the Easter outfit. And this must have been before my sister was born. What's it? What's my brother look in that picture? Probably like two or three, right? That's yeah, a, the yeah. size of a three-year-old. Um, yeah, so my sister probably wasn't born yet. Um, but we got decked out, and we we went we went full tilt boogie, man. Not only do we have the the blue polyester suits <laughs> <laughs> with Matt, Josh, and I had matching shoes. Uh, what we, I what I love what completes the pimp look, in my opinion, are the feathers in the hats. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture right now, and and, and a, a mere seven minutes ago, Mike Reardon imparted his wisdom on this uh, picture. <laughs> no, Jeremy, don't worry. This is how it's supposed to go. Matt and I will wear these kick-ass suit cowboy hat ensembles that make us look like we just finished filming a scene as a couple of O-linemen in North Dallas 40. You wear that. <laughs> I love the North Dallas 40 reference. Spot on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too funny. Every once in a while, man, he's funny. Yeah, every once in a while. When he's not scolding you for coming down too hard on Joe Romano. <laughs> you got some pretty good ones. Oh, man. I don't think it gets any better than that. What else you got? Um... Just one update on our big campaign to get Lee Zurich over the 8,200 mark. Yeah, yeah. How we doing? When we left last week, he had 8,164 followers. Okay. This week, he has 8,212 followers. I mean, I'm not too keen on the math, but that's 48 more followers. And I looked at all the followers. Um... I mean, it appeared that only three of the new followers, which includes Two Sour Excuses itself and myself, uh, may be affiliated with with the TSEC campaign, but I'm going to just credit all 48 new followers as, uh, as a spillover from our campaign, you know? I'm going to say so. You can take credit for that. Yeah, I mean, he was sitting at 81.64 a week ago. As we speak right now, he's at 82.12. That just doesn't happen without without uh, drumming up the interest. Uh, 
of the uh, Two Sorry Excuses Army. So know. what do we get them to next Next, uh, next edition? 80, 8250 at least, 80, I think we can get them there. 8250, all right. Yeah, all right, that's let's, another 48 followers. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Excusites. Uh, good old... Let me see. Actually, I can see who 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 follows him that follows me. Let's see. Followers that I know. All right. No, no, no. Hmm. I I see one follower that I'm personally in common with who I think is credited with a a two sorry excuses follow. I believe it's um my buddy that lives in Baton Rouge. That's a big LSU guy. Because okay. I think he just recently followed him, and I, I guarantee you he doesn't have as much interest in Lee Zurich as we do. <laughs> um, hey, before we, um, before we ride off into the sunset, we've got a couple of, um, couple of Syracuse updates, or non-updates that are pertinent at this point. Well, um, I got one update, too. I don't know if it's the same as yours, but go ahead, brother. I was going to say, so far, uh, no word from Jeremy Grant on whether or not he's going to jump to the NBA. Yeah, um, rumor had it his high school coach was saying he was going to have a press conference soon. I thought it was supposed to be today. But, oh, really, huh? Yeah, but uh, but obviously it didn't happen yet. He has yeah, until, I think, the the 17th maybe to, yeah, to declare, so. and then the 27th to... To um, withdraw if he has well, no was agent. Was it 27th or the 22nd? Uh, probably 22nd. Okay. That would make sense. I don't think he's going to leave, personally. I don't think I so, mean, either. I don't think I so. Because I think he would have just done it already. You know, because there's so much focus on him about whether he's gone or not. I think he would have just done it if he was going to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. You got another update? Uh, the other update is with the football team. So what do you okay. got? What happened there? Um, Scott Schaefer has uh, predicted an eight-win season. Oh, snap. I didn't see that. Yeah. So I was looking at the schedule, and essentially what he's telling is that we're going we're gonna to beat Notre Dame at MedLife Stadium is, is, is how I kind of figure it because I understand a football coach has to come out and say – Hey, listen, we're going to be better than next than last year. And if last year was seven wins, that means eight wins this year. But coaches, in the privacy of of their own, uh, you know, of their own thoughts or minds, sit down, look at the schedule, and figure out what games they're supposed to win, what games they're supposed to lose, and then what games are a toss up that determine whether you've had you know above expectation or below expectation. And to get yeah. to eight wins, he's saying we're going to beat Villanova, we're going to beat Central Michigan, we're going to beat Maryland. Yeah. Okay. Then we run that um, that three game stretch against Notre Dame, Louisville, Florida State. Let's just um, figure that they're saying you know um, we're not going to beat Florida. Losing to Florida State. We're definitely losing to Florida State. So let's leave those other two games for a second. He's saying that um, 
we're going to beat Wake Forest. And I always confuse Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. We crushed Wake Forest last year. Yeah, and Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech crushed us. Owns us. Right. So Wake Forest, we had talked about our schedule earlier um, in the year, and I counted that as a loss, but it's Wake Forest. So I think that's a game we win. We lose at, at Clemson. We beat North Carolina State. So that's your five wins right there. So you either have to do uh, – and then we have Duke at home. So he's counting that game. Um, he's counting that game as a win. Yeah. So that leaves Notre Dame-Louisville at, at Pitt at Boston College. He's going to – to get to eight, you are going to either have to beat – both of those guys on the road, two tough games, Pitt and BC, at two places we don't play particularly well. Yeah. Or you're going to split that, and you're going to have to beat a Notre Dame or a Louisville to get to eight. Well, I don't think the idea of beating Notre Dame is that ridiculous. I don't know. I mean... We've beaten better Notre Dame teams with crappier Syracuse squads. You know? I mean, I don't think that's that ridiculous to to imagine that. Plus, you know, he I mean, like you said, naturally he's gonna say uh we should win more, but I mean he he has um you know, he he's He's a pretty confident dude, it seems to me. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's taking on a major program at a neutral site. It's yeah, not where we won't be where we'll be outnumbered. Yeah, by fans, definitely, definitely, mostly Notre Dame people in there. It, it's not like Notre Dame's coming in, you know, and you can, you know, you, you got to give yourself, you know, three points against anybody if you're playing them at home. Yeah, so. That's not, you know, that's not the scenario. We're saying, listen, we're going to go to neutral site and 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 take down, you know, what was a top 25 team last year. Um, they're bringing back their quarterback, right? Yeah, Goldstein. but they were beatable last year. I mean, and we're going to be better than we were last year. You know, on the I field, mean, we're going to be starting with an established quarterback who who played most of the season last year, whose last game was very successful, who's going to be confident. We're going to be running a new. The only question is, we're running a new offense. Like we're we're going to be doing this up tempo thing. So we'll see how that works out for us. That's that's the uh, that's one of the big X factors right now. I think. Listen, I don't want to be a downer. I like his optimism. We both talked about how, um, you know, we like him as a coach. I think he's a perfect coach for for Syracuse. He's a perfect coach for the Northeast. But we're the eighth toughest schedule in the country. Yeah, I know. I understand. If I, mean, we, I understand you. I just, I just don't think it's ridiculous to imagine we can win eight games. So what's that? That'll be eight and five, right, with a bowl game. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, we're six, playing twelve seven, games, eight, right? Nine, ten, twelve, and that yeah, the bowl game would be a thirteenth. Yeah, I don't think that's too ridiculous of an expectation. Um, I mean, you got to keep setting them a little higher. You know, if we win eight this year, I'm sure he'll say nine next year. Yeah, no, listen, that's great. That's great. If we can yeah. do it, uh, that'll be. I understand be a, your skepticism. It'll I, be a fun year. 
I totally understand why you'd be skeptical. I mean, hell, it's it's hard to get six games. You know, it was hard as hell to win six games last year. Six games seems easy to do, but it's not. You know, yeah. I mean, it's you know we're not in the same class with you know with like your Florida States and LSU's and all those type of schools. You know, and hell, we're not even in the same class with the Virginia Techs right now. Right. So, uh, but but I do like the optimism. I do like the fact that he that he has confidence in in what he's doing, because there used to be a time when eight wins wasn't a big deal for us. So hopefully we can get back to that those days again. Yeah, I just I'd like to be a relevant football school again. Yeah, I mean it was nice. Uh, I think we can get there. I th- that's the one reason I like him a lot because I think he's there for the long haul, and I think that's what he wants to do. And that's the hardest thing to find at a school, like for where our location is. It's one of the reasons they they freaking stuck with Pasqualoni too long because they were just grateful to have a guy there that that didn't want to go anywhere else. But they hung on on, on to him, you know, about two or three years too long. Yeah, no, that's true, but. You know, I I was one of those folks who who liked having him there because he liked being there, and you know you could pencil us in for nine wins. Yeah, you know, and we'd play in a Fiesta Bowl, and you know we'd play in an Orange Bowl, and yeah, we'd have a down year every three or four years, but that was okay. That was cool because I knew that at least once out of those every four years, you know, we were playing in. You know, a major BCS bowl. You know, before it was such a thing, but you know, yeah. a, a New Year's Day bowl to use the, yeah. the parlance of the old I mean, timers. We did play in the BCS. Yeah, you know, we played Kansas State and we played uh, Florida in the Orange Bowl one year, and we got stomped both times. But hell, we played in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's your news? Uh, well, I don't know if you saw this about. Uh, Chino Oboko, he's a freshman center on the basketball team who was redshirt this year. Okay. Apparently, uh, the word came down from the NCAA yesterday on Brian Peters' birthday, of all days. Oh, those bastards. Uh, the NCAA took away a year of his eligibility because of how he was classified in high school. Because he, he came from Nigeria to uh, Rochester, New York, and went to this Catholic school. For Mac OS, which is one click. Wait, hold on, hold on. Improve its security and guarantee its performance. Hold on. All right, sorry about that. I was trying to look up the story, and then I got popped up. Motherfuckers. Let's go to Syracuse.com. Yeah, that's what did it to me. So I'm just going to listen to the story. Yeah, I'm going to send you the link. No, 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 no! I'm telling you, that's what did it to me. You just—I'm going to sit and listen like I was supposed to be listening, and not looking for the information ahead of time. So go ahead, give it to me again. Okay, so he goes to this Bishop Kearney High School in Rochester, coming over in 2010 from Nigeria. Uh, he was classified by Bishop Kearney as a freshman that year because, based on his transcripts from Nigeria and his proficiency in English. Well. I guess the NCAA, which has been reviewing his case for well over a year now, since he's got a, a basically his whole freshman year is done with now. Right. You know, like there's only like a, you know, I mean, classes are going to be done in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, he, 
he, uh, I guess they think they have this, uh, trade off or something that, uh, Nigerian, so much Nigerian education equals such and such. So I guess they think he should have been in 10th grade when he came to the U.S., you know, whereas the high school is like, no, he should. They they decide to put him in ninth grade because they were like he needs to learn English better. You know, like he's not that prepared to be a tenth grader. So yesterday, after the kid, you know, after the kid's been accepted, after he's done a year of school, and after he's been redshirted for one, the NCAA comes down and says, no, he he's going to lose a year eligibility because he was in high school for too long, longer than he should have been. How insane is that? Wait a minute. Well, then what happens to a kid who preps for a year? A- I, I think there's different rules when you go to a prep school. thing is, they're basically saying he stayed an extra year in high school that he didn't deserve. You know, if you go to a prep school, it's a different thing. It's a prep school. Right. But they're saying he basically did ninth grade twice. Oh, man. The you NCAA know? sucks. Yeah, and it's totally bogus. Um you know, even it, Jay Billis even took note of it on his Twitter, which is you should follow Jay Billis because he's a big hater of the NCAA and all their hypocrisy. You know, they are so the it was worst. To see him give a little shade to him on this because it's just bogus. And um, the Daily Orange, they covered it, and the high school coach. That dealt, you know, his high school coach from Rochester gave some quotes to Syracuse.com, but he was pretty restrained. But as far as, but when the, by the time the Daily Orange got in touch with him, I guess he started going off about the NCAA, about how they're just, they're just making up the shit as they go or something. He said something like that. <laughs> and, you know, and for, I mean, for the most part, I can't disagree with him. Yeah. Hypocritical, corrupt. Yeah just backwards organization in the name of amateurism. It's just bullshit. Well, and that's like Billis was, uh, you know, when he, he shared the story from circus.com and he's like, you know, what, what do they want? Now they're getting mad at people for getting too much education. Right. The kid didn't try to game the system. He came from yeah. Nigeria. And he only played three years in high school. He wasn't even playing that ninth grade year, I don't think. Wait, he's not like the prince who sends all the emails out, right? He may be. He may be. Okay, if he's the prince that sends all the emails out, I don't. He doesn't need a, an extra year of high school. He's a prince. <laughs> okay, but if he's not the prince that's sending all the emails out, give the kid a break, man. He's a kid yeah, from it's Nigeria. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Here, I'll I'll share this link with you right here. I mean, give him a break. Like, like it's ridiculous. Give him a break because he wanted to do it because high school thought that he probably could use an extra year because he came to a new country and wasn't the strongest English speaker at this point. You know? Uh, that's insane. But uh, here's the money quotes from the high school. Uh, this is the NCAA, Boone said. That's the high school coach. This has nothing to do with us. Ask the NCAA for their policy in Nigeria. Nigeria. I'll save you a phone call. They don't have one. He's saying that because they said, well, we figured out, you know, so much education in Nigeria equals this, that you're supposed to be this right. by the time you get here. You know, and uh, and he says this quote, too. Here's a kid who does everything he's supposed to do, and they punish him, Boone said. 
Then you have all these idiots that go to 15 passenger van schools where they don't even take the classes. You know what those schools are. You know, like this one, uh, like, you ever heard of Findlay Prep in Vegas? No. It's like, uh, who's that guy who was number one overall pick in NBA draft last year? Anthony Bennett? Yep. He's Canadian. He went to that school. Lots of, if you Google Finley Prep, you'll see loads of top recruits have gone to that school in the past, like, five or six years. Findlay is a, is a, uh, is a big-time auto dealer in Vegas. He's a big UNLV booster. Okay. And he opened this quote-unquote school, which is just like, uh, it's, it's a basketball team. That's what the school is. And I guess they go and take classes at like community colleges or something like that like they're not really a school like there's no Finley prep campus okay you know and that's what he's talking about and and ncaa has no problem with these schools you know they don't punish players you know they don't punish the schools that are producing these kids and discouraging um these schools from existing yet this kid comes here and stays an extra year in school so he can so he can mesh and learn and and get up to speed on education in America, and he's <laughs> and he's punished for it. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, that is crazy. You know, it's it's freaking insane, man. It's freaking insane. But um, uh, so that kind of sucks because he is one of these type of like project type of guys. You know, so it sucks that we only have three years with him. Uh, three years of playing as opposed to the four that everybody, you know, thought we were going to get out of him, you know, that we were gonna, that he was going to be here for, you know? Yeah. So it, it kind of sucks. I mean, it's a screw job anyway because I'm the kid, you know, the kid came to Syracuse with the knowledge that he was going to be here for five years, you know? Yeah, right. And now they're like, well, screw you, no. Uh, you know, if they'd known that, they wouldn't have redshirted him this year. Yeah, I mean, because what, what would have been the point of redshirting him, you know? Right. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we can get an appeal or something. He can win an appeal. Yeah, I guess they're going to try to do it. Beheim was just like, whatever. What can you do about it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems to be like, you know, he didn't. From what I read in the article, he didn't seem to be enraged about it. But he's just like, um but you could tell he was probably saying it kind of in that prickish Bayheim way. Right. <laughs> you know, that kind of like uh, passive type of way, but he's letting you know he's pissed. Right. You know, uh, Bayheim Wrink- in the written word doesn't do him any justice. No, no. Wrinkled eye, furrowed brow. Yep. Shoulders hunched. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, what else you got, man? Anything? Uh, no, nothing else, man. Just... Uh. Happy to be, uh, happy that tomorrow's Friday. I hear you. I hear you. Um, it's been a long, rough one. Well, then, uh, on that note, man, why don't you get out there, enjoy the rest of your, uh, uh National Siblings Day? Yeah, the rest yeah, of your, I will. rest of your Thursday. And, um, with apologies to Kirk's brother. I guess we'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next week, Sandman. Good night, Fredo. <laughs> I have to acknowledge him now. He's the one guy I know who's definitely listening every week. I know that's great. I meant to throw a shout out to him this week, but we'll <laughs> we'll throw a sh- we'll do a whole show for Fredo next week. 
Yeah, I think he's going to get a good night Fredo every week from now on. Though. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Later, Liv. Adios, Sanders. <laughs>